I'm Chai Sultana, and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. This week, dear listeners, we're joined by Professor Michael Hudson, the author of J is for Junk Economics, his latest book in a long list of delving into the the need for greater economic insight into uh, the battle between land, labour and capital. He has a particular focus on the role of the banking system and high finance and how that has encircled the economy to to push the rest of us to to work harder and harder. So, Michael, uh, Jay is for Junk Economics, your latest book. It's all about uh, building people's economic literacy. What has been the response in light of uh, this need you've uncovered? Uh, Are people recognizing this is a a big uh, gap in the progressive movement's understandings? Yes, largely because the progressive movement hasn't talked much about finance uh, or about rent. They're still focusing on as if the whole fight is between labor and employers, and they don't realize the role of debt in this, and they don't realize uh, what uh, the banks and what uh, Alan Greenspan recognized, that one of the reasons that employers are winning the fight against labor is that uh, workers are afraid to go on strike or they're even afraid to complain about working conditions because they're so deeply in debt for their mortgage debt, their credit card debt, that if they go on strike or they're fired and they miss a single payment, their credit card rates uh, jump up to about 29% a year. Banks can foreclose and demand the whole mortgage be paid. They're evolved from wage slaves into debt peons. And uh, that's very hard for people to realize. It seems that almost everybody likes Uh, just a single enemy. And in the 19th century, the enemy were landlords at first, and then the enemy in the 20th century became industrial employers. But nobody realizes that both uh, the landlords and the employers end up paying most of their revenue to the banks as interest. And uh, people don't think of the banks as being a separate uh, actor in the economy. They think of banks simply oiling the wheels of commerce and uh, helping the economy finance itself when actually all they do is load the economy more and more with debt and uh, slow everything down. Well, here in Australia, the Conservative government uh, shocked uh, the political spectrum by announcing a a bank levy, a bank deposit tax, uh, a very minor one, but it's going to raise $6.2 billion over four years. And uh, of course, the banking industry has launched into attack mode to try and uh, stave off uh, some sort of tax on their earnings. Uh, I think the banking industry has uh, been surprised, though, by just how strong a public support there has been for attacks on them. Is there much evidence around the world of, of similar sort of taxes on, on the banking system? And, and generally, um, how does that arm wrestle between uh, the banking lobbyists and uh, the democratic system play out? 
I haven't seen any discussion anywhere in the world about such a tax. There were uh, proposals for the Tobin tax on uh, securities trading, but I haven't even heard of what you've talked about in Australia, a tax on bank earnings. I think the banks would simply uh, say, we don't earn a penny, uh, so there's nothing to tax. I think their accountants would uh, immediately write tax loopholes into the uh, into the uh, legal code and uh, the tax code, and uh, it wouldn't really have much effect given the fact that it's the bankers that write most of the laws in Australia. Much of the economic concern has been the fact that the the tax will be passed on to consumers and they'll be the ones who, in the end, pay for it. I don't think that's uh, true. That's just nonsense. What the banks charge is what's called economic rent. In other words, it's as much as the market will bear. It's an administered price that has nothing to do with cost at all. And the banks pretend that they have a cost that's the counterpart for all the interest charges and the fees they charge. And there's no counterpart at all. This is fictitious accounting. And they're hoping that people uh, will imagine that uh, it's a cost, but it's actually just a free lunch. And cutting back a free lunch is not something that can be passed on on to consumers. If that's the case, then Australia should create its own public bank is an honest bank. Let's delve into that. To write up a mortgage, it takes a bank clerk maybe three or four hours work to do that. But then over the next 25, 30 years, the length of the mortgage, consumers end up paying $180,000, $250,000 plus, depending on the size of the mortgage. Is there much of a movement to relate the actual cost of writing up that mortgage to to the cost of uh, repaying your mortgage? No, there's almost no way to uh, even calculate that. For instance, it's, it takes the same amount of time to write up a $10 million mortgage as it does to write up a $300,000 mortgage. Uh, all, the, all you do is fill in different uh, numbers, and that's why banks would rather make a large loan than a small loan, and that's why it's easier to borrow a million dollars than it is $10,000. The ethical banking movement in Australia is slowly growing. We have ethical superannuation as well. We have uh, industry supergroups, superannuation groups. Do you see the, the growth of these types of banking and, and finance superannuation industries is going to become integral to uh, this groundswell movement to, to wind back the easy profits in their, these particular spheres? Not really. I think that the key to understanding what bank uh, earnings should be is to understand what banking does. And instead of talking about ethics, uh, which gives most people a headache because it's so philosophical, you should talk about how banks uh, make the money and how they simply create money, as Steve Keen would say, endogenously. They simply create it on a computer keyboard. And a government could do that just as well. And the only kind of ethical banking that there could be really would be a public sector bank. It's a natural monopoly. It belongs in the public sector. Uh, it should have been taken into the public sector long ago. And the failure to take banking into the public sector means that uh, if you don't socialize the banks and control the banks, then the banks are going to control you and they're going to control the economy. And Australia, more than almost any other country, are letting the banks control the economy. And it's the bank policy that's increasing your housing prices so much, that's increasing your cost of living, um, and is pricing you out of the market. And the central bank, uh, as you know, when I was in Australia, said they don't care, they don't need industry. 
Australia has adopted some of the easiest economic plays to to push the growth rates for some 26 years now and that lies on the back of uh, significant immigration levels a mining boom based around the chinese uh, uh, ghost city phenomenon and our own housing construction phenomena these aren't solid foundations for an economic system and on the back of this uh, monetarists have painted themselves into a corner with record low interest rates so the policy paradigm today on both sides of politics is to encourage a wage breakout they want labor to enjoy higher wages so they can start to pay off their record high household debts that's exactly correct. The only reason that uh, employers and the banks want higher wages for labor is if all the money goes to them. That's exactly uh, uh, how the economy is structured. And so uh, you could talk about economic growth, but all the economic growth is not growth of living standards or for the people. It's not economic growth simply because uh, the price of your house goes up or uh, you're exporting more iron ore to China. Uh, the price of the house goes up, it means simply that you owe much much more debt. And so what's grown most of all is debt, not the economy, and in fact, debt's growing faster than the economy. So uh, on a net basis, is this really growth at all, or are you depleting the economy just as you're depleting the iron mine? You're on 3CR's Renegade Economist, and this week we're discussing with Michael Hudson the state of economic play. Check his work at Michael-Hudson. Highly recommended to grab a copy of Jays for Junk Economics, his latest book. So, Michael, I hear your concerns of the banking system, and we we often have this tussle here on the Renegade Economist. Uh, what is more important, uh, the banking or the land game? And when you study Australia's system of national accounts, you can see that the taxation on labor and capital amounts to some $265 billion last year. Uh, Banking profits were around about $32 billion, which is significant. But the value of Australia's land increased by $258 billion itself. So there's a huge amount of money that's being enjoyed by the land system and sure, that's what's contributing most of those $32 billion in banking profits. Uh, but with with monetarists, the, the most dominant economic ideology of the last 30-odd years, having painted themselves into a corner, where do you see some meaningful fiscal policy developing? What do you mean by meaningful? Uh, uh, I guess the meaningful fiscal policy is to reduce uh, taxes on land altogether, uh, to reduce taxes on finance so that the the entire tax uh, will fall on labor. That's uh, what the neoliberals convinced Russia to do with a uh, flat tax and a value-added tax that only falls on labor. Uh, You say, what's more important, uh, the banks or the landowners? It's the bank credit that has been bidding up the price of land. So when you say uh, uh, land uh, uh, valuation has gone up, the debt valuation goes up by an equal amount because all of this is borrowed money that's pushing it up. And the higher the land prices go, 
the more interest rates have to be diverted from the economy to pay the mortgages on this higher priced uh, real estate. Uh, they, it, so much money has been paid that it has enabled uh, the banks, like the natural resource owners, to buy control of parliament and say, uh, shift the tax on to labor. We need a value added tax. We need to tax consumers. We need to roll back the pensions uh, so that we can untax real estate, untax finance, and uh, polarize the economy more quickly. If, if you abolish the land tax uh, and a real estate tax, that will really spur Australian growth tremendously because the banks will have even more money to lend people against real estate and the real estate prices will go more and you can say that Australia is growing even more. Everybody oh. will end up for banks. It'll be, it'll be a, a, a utopia. How sarcastic you are. And with this growth in the fire sector, what you call finance, insurance and real estate, I saw an interesting graph recently. The international trade is now less of a growth driver than before. Something I would have thought is contrary to the sort of free trade mantra we live within. I'm not sure what the free trade mantra is. Uh, my book on trade theory. The, the whole idea of free trade is uh, basically junk economics, and I, I've written books about this. My trade development and foreign debt is all, of, all about it. Free trade merely means dependency. It's a slogan for don't feed yourself, don't, for most countries, uh, buy your food from the United States, become dependent on the countries that have monopolized food supply and uh, uh, high technology. And it's, it's a slogan to convince other countries not to develop their own economies. For instance, uh, most of the economic models of free trade that make it appear scientific are mathematical, and they all back, go back to Ricardo's example of trade uh, between England and Portugal for a wine for cloth, and that's when England was becoming the textile manufacturer of the world through the Industrial Revolution. In Ricardo's example, if uh, Portuguese will just not industrialize, will uh, stay as peasants on the land growing wine, they will get even more benefit in this model than the English cloth makers. And so the idea was to convince Portugal and uh, other countries not to industrialize, let England uh, industrialize and create an industrial monopoly and uh, essentially become dependent on it. So it's all a uh, attempt to justify the existing status quo. Uh, so the lead nations all like free trade. It doesn't help other countries catch up. And whilst this concentration of the finance, insurance and real estate sector continues to grow and overtake economies, uh, we're getting to the sta stage now where there seems to be a bit of a division in the American economy between uh, Wall Street and even the real estate sector. And there's a bit of a battle that's starting to evolve there between companies such as Blackstone Capital and the National Realtors Association concerned about the growth of the newest form of securities in America, the rental-backed mortgage securities. Do you know much about uh, this uh, recent concern uh, with the SEC probing the bond deals undermining these uh, rental-backed mortgage securities? Ooh, let's take a step back. All of this began when President Obama uh, promised to write down junk mortgage debts to the actual 
amount that could be paid by the homeowners. As soon as he got in office, he broke all of the promises, didn't write down the debts, and uh, led 10 million American families to lose their homes through foreclosure. Blackstone started a uh, hedge fund, uh, all cash. They told me if I'd uh, put $5 million in, which was the minimum contribution they'd they'd accept, they would use it to uh, buy up real estate in foreclosure and begin renting it out. So first of all, they bought all of this real estate, fixed up some of the houses, and then began renting it out. And the returns were very high, 15, 20% a year. So once they uh, bought all of this property, the next step was to do the opposite of uh, getting rich by debt leveraging and borrowing. They then packaged these uh, rent-yielding properties into big uh, securities and uh, sold them as income-yielding securities. I think uh, the SEC is largely concerned with the management fees that are charged for all of this and uh, how much of a rake-off of the rent is being taken by uh, the underwriters and by Blackstone and the owners is compared to what the uh, buyers of these securities actually get and who bears the risk in case uh, the renters default. It just seems so much like uh, the build-up to the last crash when uh, we had all these AAA-rated bonds that were being reviewed by uh, Standard & Poor's and so forth, and now uh, they've got something called uh, Broker Price Opinions on uh, the value of uh, these single-family rental homes whose rental payments are being used to underpin these new bond deals. And uh, they're just apparently uh, doing drive-by assessments, probably using geospatial analysis as well, to, to value these properties. And they're overvaluing them so that Blackstone can borrow more money and buy more homes. And when that, that sort of behavior is then combined with Fannie Mae, the government uh, uh, borrowing arm, uh, giving Blackstone Capital a uh, billion dollars in, in cheap finance. So this is a, a government body that's meant to be supporting affordable housing. Instead, they're supporting uh, the commodification, the corporatization of the rental market. If this is happening in the background and uh, uh, sure they can access uh, this finance under this manner, but interest rates are at record lows. Why are they bothering to go through the bond markets to borrow when they should be able to borrow uh, rather cheaply? Uh, they are borrowing cheaply. The bond, uh, In Europe, for instance, the, the interest rate on junk bonds in Europe is 2.8%. It's almost as low as government bonds. Uh, there's so much money that's been built up, not only by the 1% that does most of the savings, but by pension funds and institutional capital, that uh, there's nowhere for this to go. They're looking for anything that any outlet they can get usually as intermediaries for uh, other investors. Mm, well, it's it's just staggering that uh, barely 10 years since the global financial crisis, uh, so many gateway cities are back in bubble proportions. They're not in bubble. A bubble proportion is a high debt-to-value ratio, and that's not the case. There's no mortgage debt buildup of mortgage arrears like there was in 2008. There are no bubble proportions. What you mean is the prices are going up, but the prices are going up for all cash deals, <coughs> not debt, lever- debt leverage. Look at the places like uh, New York City, 
uh, Manhattan and uh, Vancouver, Canada. All these prices are going up with all cash deals, not not debt uh, finance. Oh, yeah, but I would dare say that those purchases are, are around about 10% of the market. It's not that significant, the Chinese money uh, fleeing uh, Beijing. Uh, we have similar sort of problems here, but it's barely 10% of the market. So it is a factor, but still uh, household debt levels are continuing to rise and uh, everyone from the IMF, the World Bank, they're all concerned about this. Uh, but uh, the political system is hamstrung by the fact that every night mum and dad type investors come home to watch their reality TV show uh, encouraging them to be a property speculator and there's no counter argument, no counter TV show telling them about the dangers of, of this sort of development. That, that's uh, If you look at who the sponsors are, uh, you'll very often find banks are sponsoring the ad. They're certainly there. Okay, to finish off then, we usually try and find some silver lining at the end of our interviews, Michael, but uh, here you are traveling the world, giving these sort of presentations. Are you feeling like uh, post-Occupy people are really getting serious that they need to get a handle on a suite of policies that can placate both the right wing and the left? There's not really any vehicle for people to express the views that you and I are talking about now, uh, except the Internet. So we have a number of Internet sites uh, that discuss this, but you're not going to have it in the mainstream media. You're not going to have it in mainstream television. And uh, there's just not uh, an awareness of how to think uh, economically because there's this euphemism of junk economics and this miasma of terminology that's intended to mislead uh, voters. And that was Professor Michael Hudson from michael-hudson.com, michael-hudson.com, the author of J.S. Junk Economics and uh, so many other uh, key uh, articles and uh, books, as you've heard for many years here on 3CR's Renegade Economist. So, yeah, we, we always have some good debates and uh, our age-old battle over what's more important, uh, land or monetary reform. Uh, they're certainly both uh, super important. Um, yeah, my, my side of the coin is that uh, it's a chicken or egg argument. You heard Michael saying that so much of the land is because banks are lending easy money. Well, if we tax that land, it acts as a counterweight to uh, remove the price the speculative component to uh, our land pricing. And from that, uh, there's less there for the banks to, uh, to to lend against. And when you consider that some 70 to 80% of all bank loans are uh, mortgage-related, and out of those mortgages, the land component is some 70% of each mortgage, if we were to reduce that back to... Uh, maybe something around uh, the 30 to 40% level, then uh, there's obviously a lot less uh, underwriting the whole banking framework. So that sort of endogenous money creation cannot be created at anywhere near the same rate. But uh, I certainly agree with uh, Professor Hudson talking about the need for uh, greater competition in the banking sector and uh, the role of public banking is something we sorely need. Who knows what would be happening with bank fees if the Commonwealth Bank of Australia still was a public bank. It's hard to think that uh, it was barely 30 years ago it was a public bank. 
And now we have some of the highest bank fees in the world and uh, the greatest market capitalization virtually in the world, our big four banks. And uh, throw Macquarie Bank in there and put a uh, bank levy on top of that. And we've got our latest round of screaming hyenas uh, crying poor that this bank tax is really going to hurt them. And uh, it's going to be the end of uh, the Australian economy. Um, I thought that... uh, Ken Henry, the former Treasury Secretary, the man who pioneered the uh, mining tax, uh, was uh, a giant sellout joining NAB as uh, as their uh, CEO, I think he is. Well, former Queensland Premier Anna Bly, as the head of the, the banking lobby group, uh, certainly is right up there. And it just goes to show this revolving door between the rent seekers, these monopolists, whether they're in banking, they're in land, uh, they're in uh, big pharma, they're in water rights, uh, they're in fishing, they're in mining. Goodness me, uh, you read Cameron Murray's book, uh, The Game of Mates, and you'll be armed with uh, story after story of this revolving door and just how well these uh, swarming masses uh, look after each other and what sort of a throttle they have over the democratic functions. This is reinforced by uh, the media complicit uh, in their one-eyed delivery it's uh it's just a, a horror zone when you think about it hopefully uh, listeners do find some solace uh, in this show by the fact that it helps unpick some of these huge uh, macro trends that have us looking in our wallets on a friday night to uh squirm in embarrassment to the thought that they can't go out and see their mates because uh sorry I spend too much on my rent. Well, if we did channel the tax system, if we did redirect the tax system away from penalising us from working and towards uh, enforcing some sort of repayment back to the community for the value of location, location, uh, life would rapidly become uh, a lot easier because no one would be able to avoid paying their tax And those who uh, live in the best locations uh, would pay more. And uh, it's the fact that those who do live in the best locations actually enjoy greater capital gains, uh, generally on a numerical level, but also uh, in many instances as a percentage gain as well. The the gains are greater in uh, these prime locations with the view of the sea, a view of the park, near a fantastic library or a hip new cafe they're the ones who benefit so uh, this is why um, i'm starting to fear that uh, australia one of the only places in the world that still has a land tax system that still values their land doesn't uh, conflate it together with uh, uh, the buildings to hide the value of land like happens in uh, most of the northern hemisphere Well, week by week, we're facing uh, these uh, death by a thousand cuts. And to hear that uh, in New South Wales, the new premier up there has run scared over the uh, New South Wales fire services levy. And yeah, it's a real concern that uh, uh, this sort of behavior goes on unabated. And there are so few people talking out about it. So please... uh, Visit uh, earthsharing.org.au for the show notes, uh, prosper.org.au if you'd like to support us. Uh, There's just so much that needs to be done. I've almost uh, taken it as a mental hazard uh, opening up the newspapers because there's about 
20 different issues each day that need to be addressed uh, from this unique perspective. All right, my name's Carl Fitzgerald. Uh, thanks so much for uh, tuning in here on 3CR's Beloved Airways. And uh, watch out. Actually, I've actually got another minute here. I can tune on. I can keep going, Finn, can't I? Yeah. No, the, this no could be the most sure, important. Sure. It could be the most important one minute to go. But uh, it's something that if we have more of these uh, mm. uh, public banks or ethical banks, there'd be competition within the banking industry so that this belief that uh, the big four banks are just going to pass on the tax. Well, if they did try to, people would leave their bank and head over to Bendigo Bank, head over uh, to uh, Members' Equity, some of these other type operations. So that's what we need, more competition in these uh, uh, big-ticket industries, and uh, uh, with that we can start to scale back some of these impositions on our economic freedoms. All right, uh, my name's Carl Fitzgerald. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, He's going now. This time I'm going. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, good luck out there reading the newspapers. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Paul Miller, a.k.a. DJ Spooky, straight out of New York City. I'm checking in with Australia on 855 on your AM dial. And remember, community radio is subscription-sponsored, and I think it's incredibly important to always remember that it's a different perspective. Check it, community radio, now and beyond. <laughs>